Welcome to the Heighton family. Good to see you guys here today. Pastor Lon and the families here with us. Um, good to have you guys here. Well, we're in this series in the book of Amos. And um, as we said before, you know, during Christmas, and then you get to Epiphany, and then you get to Lent, and then you get to Easter, and then we get to Pentecost, and all that's New Testament stuff, right? There's, so we spent a lot of time digging into the Gospels and, uh, and a little bit of Old Testament prophecy, but we spent a lot of time in the New Testament. So we've been in, this is our week three of Amos, and uh, if you're hating it, it ends next week. If you're loving it, come back next week. You get another week of it. But So today we're going to look at chapters 4, 5, and 6 of Amos. So we started in chapter 7, if you remember, and, and Amos doesn't really give us his life story. We, we find out that he was a shepherd and that he dealt with sycamore figs. Uh, and we kind of have an idea from chapter 7 that he was probably paid all right, that he didn't become a prophet for the money. Um, most people don't go into ministry for money, and if you find somebody that does, be a little weary. Then last week we talked about chapter 1, 2, and 3. So chapters 1 and 2, I remember, are written in a, in a form of poetry. It says, for three sins of blank and for four. And, and chapters 1 and 2 are just these almost poems of God calling out each individual city and the sins that they have committed. And, and last week <clears throat> we, we talked about that, that God is asking, saying, you agreed to this as my covenant people. But I'm here, I'm ready to work, and you're not showing up. So today as we dive into, into these three chapters, I just want to encourage you once again to read Amos throughout the week. Because obviously I'm not about to read all three chapters, and, and I can't hit all the good stuff in, in one sermon on three whole chapters. So be reading it throughout the week, as, as there's a lot of, of good things in here. So just uh, some, some brief uh, summary to, to, so you can get your, your framework here. Chapter 4 is essentially God calling the people of Israel spoiled. Since we have no spoiled people here today, I'll elaborate a little more on what it might mean for us to be spoiled. God is saying to them, I have always provided. I am provider. But then when you experience, then he lists drought, famine, lack of water, diseased plants, and plagues, you didn't turn to the one who's always provided. You cursed the one who's always provided. In a sense of privilege and saying, how dare you stop supplying me. That, that's essentially what, what chapter 4 is. And then we're going to spend the majority of, of our time today in chapters 5 and 6. Chapter 5 is still God speaking to the people of Israel. Telling them that they've trampled the poor. They've oppressed the righteous. They've accepted bribes and many other disobedient things. God warns that a day is coming where their everyday norm will turn to chaos. The day of the Lord, as Amos keeps harping on. Starting in verse 18 and finishing out chapter 5 are more details of what the day of the Lord will look like. And as we talked about last week, the, day of the, the, the prophecy of the day of the Lord is not a scare tactic to get people to believe and convert and, and come to church. The, the prophecy of the day of the Lord is an act of love of God saying, I want you to know about this before it happens so we can get as many people as possible to accept this gift. And then chapter 6 is a warning all about being complacent. Anybody here today feeling a little complacent in life? 
I, I think we've all gone in seasons of that, where you're, you're in your routine, your Monday, nine to five job maybe, or you know on Mondays you do this, and on Tuesdays you do this, and on Wednesdays you do this, and on Sundays you're in church every Sunday of, of the year. We can get a little complacent, maybe in kind of what you were talking about, Carolyn, of just what... It's not that I can put my finger on it, but something's just, there's, there's more. There's got to be more. This is what chapter 6 is all about. God is saying that the people are using any means necessary to distract themselves from their holy calling. They're distracting themselves with luxury things, high-end foods, music that's not for the Lord, drinking wine and getting pampered. Anything that they can do to keep their attention on their comfort and off of the discomfort of the people around them. All of this to ignore the grief in the world that so desperately needs their attention as the people of God. In case you didn't know, there's a lot of grief in our world today. And there's going to be grief in our world continuing. So I'm not getting off track here. This, This is tracking right along, but there's actually an announcement in the sermon today. We had so many at the beginning, I had to start sticking them in different places. So, thank you. All right. So, starting in September, we're going to begin a program called Grief Share. Grief Share is a biblically-based grief care program. Uh, Becky Riles is going to lead that, and Becky is a licensed grief counselor. So, this is a program that can be led by people that aren't counselors, but we're blessed in the fact that we have a licensed grief counselor that has said, I want to do this. This is important. Um, and so, uh, the, th- the couple of things, grief share though, it, the group, you really don't want it any more than 12 people. And there are a lot of churches in Gainesville that offer grief share, and every group is full. Because you can't do it with 50 people, it's just not the same, it's, it's a small group setting. And so, if you're interested, please talk to me or talk to Becky. Uh, we're going to have a whole Sunday in a couple of weeks that we're just going to talk about grief, and, and how we as Christians... Uh, deal with grief and handle grief and and the fact that we can't just simply just pray it away and act like it's not there so uh, again talk to one of us because if you want a spot in that group uh, we need to know and get your name down Um, but we'll have more details to follow but there is grief in the world and the church is called to do something about it and that's what God is saying in chapter 6 he's saying guys I'm calling you to do something about all this hurt But instead, you'd rather just buy the next nice thing to keep your mind off of the work I'm calling you to do. So, that was a quick summary of these three chapters. Now, I'll start to preach. Let's look at chapter 5. We're going to read verse 4 through 7. You can be seated today. It's going to be a couple short references, and and I'm going to talk between, and I don't want you to get stuck standing for a while. So, in chapter 5, starting in verse 4, It says, this is what the Lord says to Israel. Seek me and live. Do not seek Bethel. Do not go to Gilgal. Do not journey to Beersheba. For Gilgal will surely go into exile. And Bethel will be reduced to nothing. Seek the Lord and live. Or he will sweep through the tribes of Joseph like a fire. It will devour them. And Bethel will have no one to quench them. There are those who turn justice into bitterness and cast righteousness to the ground. This is the word of the Lord, and we can say, thanks be to God. Seek the Lord and live. 
this seems pretty straightforward enough. As we talked about last week and in the past few weeks, we mentioned that, you know, Paul says that the wages of sin is death. And so, obviously, the opposite of, of seeking sin would be to seek the Lord. And seeking the Lord leads to life. That's pretty straightforward. Not, not too hard there. Well, let's skip down to verses 14 and 15 of that same chapter 5. It says, Seek good, not evil, that you may live. Then the Lord God Almighty will be with you, just as you say He is. Hate evil, love good. Maintain justice in the courts. Perhaps the Lord God Almighty will have mercy on the remnant of Joseph. Now, we're given this concept of seeking good and not evil, and we may live. Well, seeking the Lord is, is a little bit easier because we can pray and just ask God, Lord, stir our hearts, lead us to you. But when we use it in the terms of good and evil, love good, hate evil, we kind of run into a lot of gray areas, right? Good and evil can be quite subjective. So let's watch this play out. Courtney, would you show... Well, actually, we're going to play a game. When the picture comes on the screen, you have two options. You can say good, or you can say evil. All right? And I think we're going to start with a pretty easy one. Courtney, go ahead. First picture. Okay, Superman, good. Next. Okay, Superman's villains, right? Pretty easy, good, evil. All right, next one. The, th the thermostat on 68. All right, so you, let's take a vote. You have to vote. If you don't vote, you, you have to listen to the sermon twice. That's true. Thermostat on 68, let's say during the summer. Thermostat on 68, good, raise your hand. And evil, raise your hand. Yes, I will freeze to death if our house is on 68. All right, thank you. Next, thermostat on 72 this time of year. Good? Good. Evil. Evil. Wow, that's pretty split. All right. All right. So good and evil might be a little more difficult, right? Let's look at the next one. Pizza. Good. Okay. All right. Next. Pineapple on pizza. Okay. Let, let's, ha let's have another vote here. Every, there was an overwhelming amount of evil that came out of this... All those who vote evil for pineapple on pizza, raise your hand. Wow. It's, it's so good. So good. All right, all those good, let's get a chance to raise our hand. Yes, it is so good. So, so good. All right, uh, and we have one more, I think. No, we have a couple more. Next, Hellman's mayonnaise. Good or evil? All right, next slide. Blue plate mayonnaise. And the next one. Yeah. All right, we're not going to vote on that because I think we all know where we fall on the spectrum. And then I didn't put Dukes up there, and some of you might say you have to have Dukes. All right, next one, last one here. Summer at the beach, good or evil? All right, next slide. Snowstorm in winter, good or evil? 
All right. So let's think about this. Seek good, not evil. Hmm. Seems like that's going to lead to some arguments in this room. But I hope you see what I'm getting at here. It's difficult when we use these terms good and evil. When we look at God, good, sin, Satan, bad, okay. But you see, I, I, th- I think we, we run into this frustration even in, in our current society, right? Because we, we live in this, in this country where we have separation of church and state, right? And in a lot of ways that can be a good thing. And in a lot of ways we get frustrated by that. But when it's the reality here. So the scripture is telling us to, to seek justice in the, maintain justice in the courts. Well, we can't just do that by walking up to the courthouse and saying, we are the people of God and we're taking over. We, we, we can't do that. Hmm. But God has called us to seek justice in the courts. Well, how can we keep justice when the church and the state are separate items? You see, God, he, he goes on to tell the people that their music is nice, but it all has very little meaning when it's not moving them to action. You know, our, our justice system in America is quite interesting. Even in, in the last uh, couple of months here, we experienced the Johnny Depp versus Amber Heard case. And really, all that was was just two rich people fighting. But let's just be honest, a lot of us kept up with it pretty regularly, right? It didn't change our lives whatsoever, but we were interested to see what was going on. And those of you that didn't, good. You didn't waste any time on it. You know, that, was, that trial, it took weeks, weeks. And after that trial, you know what happened? Amber still shot three. She was right. Johnny Depp still thought he was right. But the court said... And we're kind of basically ruling in your favor. Was there justice there? I, I don't really know. Let's, let's, let's keep going. So verse 24 of chapter 5. It says, but let justice roll on like a river. Righteousness like a never failing stream. So I think we need to break down two of the main words that have been in most of these texts today. We have the idea of justice again, and we have righteousness. So righteousness, the Hebrew word for righteousness is tzedakah, which in Hebrew, it, it literally means being about right relationship. Righteousness is all about living in right relationship. Righteousness entails being able to live in equity despite our differences. You see, you may look different than me, you may smell different than me, you may like different music than me, you may make more money than me, you might like different food than me, but for us to be a people of righteousness, we've got to be able to live together. Maybe not in the same house, and that's okay, but we've got to be a part of the same family of God. We have got to. And then we have this word justice. In Hebrew, that word is mishpat, which is just a fun word to say. But justice is kind of... So the definition that the dictionary would give is is something along the lines of any action taken to correct injustice. 
Well, that's a really bad definition because the word justice is used in the negative in the definition, and that's just bad grammar. So the goal of justice in a holy and a biblical sense, the goal of justice is to lead to righteousness. Okay, don't miss that. This is why we punish people for doing bad things to other people. When you can't live rightly with one another, someone is going to be punished. Now, the world often views justice as a means in which people pay their dues for messing up. For example, let's say that you're, there's a multimillionaire that's driving around using their cell phone. And they get pulled over, and the Georgia State Patrol says, you're using your cell phone, I'm going to give you a $50 ticket. And that multimillionaire will chuckle and say, okay, take the ticket. They'll give it to their money person, and they'll never miss the $50 ever again, right? And you know what they probably did on the way home? They were probably texting their accountant, telling them, I got a ticket, here's the, here's the way to pay it, while they were driving. Was justice served? I don't think so. Because all that did was make somebody pay a due for doing something wrong. But that's not what holy biblical justice is about. Holy and biblical justice leads us into right relationship. So what might be better is if we had some way of making that multimillionaire realize how many families he passed while he was driving his car. Maybe seeing how many children he came within centimeters of killing because he was distracted while he was driving. And maybe, just maybe, if there was a transformation of heart, then we could say justice was served. But to just pay a fine and get back on the road, I don't think that's really doing much good. And, and this is kind of what we talked about last week in the sense that the world has a different definition here. And we can't be mad that the world's definition is different. But what we can do is we can begin to live lives of justice that lead us to righteousness. While this is, in one sense, what's going on, this idea of the people just paying for their bad dues, the kind of justice that Amos is calling the people to is justice that is not just for the sake of watching someone suffer, but rather for the sake of seeing someone enter into right and re- appropriate relationship with others. It's not that, that, that God is saying, I want you all to just burn and die, but God is saying, this is what you've earned And he's calling the church, he's calling the people of Israel, he's calling us to say, let justice roll like a river. He's saying that we have to be a people so grounded in justice that as we are on the move, justice has to be a part of who we are. As a river rolls downstream, it grabs anything that's loose in the soil, right? Little rocks and pebbles can get grabbed and go down the stream with it. But if the river is really rolling... If there's the momentum of the water going downstream, those bigger rocks that have been there a little bit begin to get picked up in the current. Those things that you've stubbed your toe on in the river every time you've gone down there, as it's, as it's gotten more powerful and justice begins to roll, those bigger rocks that have always been a pain are now starting to move when justice is a part of who we are. 
as we begin to seek justice, it's just like anything else in our journey with God in the sense that it must start in us individually and then carry over into our homes and into our church and into our community. If true holy justice is a part of our, then righteousness will be also. So I've said a lot. I feel like I've talked fast today. We're supposed to seek God. We're supposed to seek good, hate evil, and be a people of justice. To do this, we must really wrestle with what is good and what is evil. But when we begin to do that, it seems that we begin to get more separated, right? These issues of good and evil seem to be what's dividing us in our country today, right? Some people think that this issue is, should be answered this way, and that is good. And some people think it should be answered this way, and that is good. And, and so our, our, our unequal definitions of good seem to be what divides us. Hmm. And we can't go into the court system and change everything to make it exactly how God might want it. But we can begin to seek the Lord for ways in which we can be a part of the justice that needs to be brought to the world. Do you want to know how to not do this well? Just read the book of Amos this week. The entire book is God pointing out the ways in which the people are not being a people of justice. But as we talked about on, on the July 3rd, they're being a people of IOUs. Of God, you've provided so much and now it's stopped. And God, you owe me. Whew. Not good. In chapter 6, God is just letting the people have it. Verse 12 of chapter 6 says that they have turned justice into poison and the fruit of righteousness into bitterness. You have turned justice into poison and the fruit of righteousness into bitterness. Church, our witness... is discredited when our justice is poison. When our righteousness bears the fruit of unrighteousness. If our justice as the people of God is just looking for people to suffer and to pay their dues and to, to pay off their IOUs, then our witness of the resurrected Jesus means Because I hope, as I define righteousness and justice, that all you saw was a man on a cross who said, this is the only way that the relationship can be restored. Not so much that I've got to pay this debt, so I've got to get on this cross, but more God said, this is the only way that righteousness can be restored. The Old Testament is full of stories of God trying and saying righteousness. I mean, the, the whole idea of the flood was so that righteousness could be restored. And ultimately, it took a holy sense of justice. And sometimes, when justice is done in a holy sense, it means that the innocent are put on trial. 
It means that the innocent are called guilty in the eyes of the world. And it might even mean that the blameless one, the very Son of God, would take on death. Doesn't seem like justice to me. But according to the word of the Lord, the most holy act of justice is what happened on that Good Friday. And today I'm thankful that we are not judged on the world's standards of justice. But that today we can look at the word of God and say, this is, this is what's missing. This is what was missing in the people of Israel. This is what was people missing in the people of that entire region. And this is what is missing in America in 2022. This is what's missing in Europe in 2022. This is what's missing in Africa in 2022, in South America in 2022. Justice in the sense that God has given us. As I said earlier, the people of this entire region who were believers in Yahweh were just trying to be comfortable. And as I, I, I like to say, there is work to be done in Gainesville. And if we want to, we're all spoiled enough that we can go buy the next thing to distract us. We can go fill in the blank with whatever we want to do to numb us from the work of justice that needs to be done. But as I was studying this week, I was just, I kept coming back to the words of of Micah, chapter 6, verse 8. Seek justice, love mercy, and walk humbly with your God. Seeking justice is something that takes active participation. We cannot fall into the rhythms of life and expect to uh, to be seeking justice without intentionality. We have to look for the places and pray for God to show us places where justice can be enacted and relationships can be restored. This is the mission of God in the world. This is what the church is supposed to be about at all times. We look at what God is calling us to. We look at the world. We name this gap, this difference. And we begin to ask God how we can get from here to here. And this gap in between is holy justice. So today, I I ask you to just spend a moment in reflection. A moment considering that there, there might not be justice, a sense of holy justice, even in your own home. That's where it can begin. There might not be a sense of holy justice in your family. May it start there. May you begin to seek the Lord and say, God, how can we see righteousness, right relationship? The bickering has gone on long enough. I'm tired of it. What does justice look like for me to be reunited with my son, my brother, my cousin, my grandparents, my kids? What does that look like? And I think we can't expect it to happen in our courts until we can begin to seek it in our own lives. 
and in our own hearts and in our own families and in our own church. And when we can begin to live into that, it's not going to happen overnight, but our community can begin to change. But they need something to show them what holy justice really looks like. And if the people of God aren't that, then Amos says the day of the Lord is near. It's coming. Be ready. Let us pray. Father, I've rambled long enough today. Lord, forgive us for how we've let our preconceived notions of good and evil tear apart meaningful relationships in our lives. Father, help us today to realize that we get flustered with the world because the world is living to a different standard than you've called us to. But we can't get flustered with them when we're the ones who have agreed to this covenant. We've said, God, judge us and use us and shape us in your sense of justice. Because we want righteousness restored. We want to live in right relationship with our neighbors, with our kids, with our families, with our church, with our community. And all of us are in a different place this morning. We have different things that need worked out, different relationships that need restored, and justice in a holy sense needs to happen. Whether that looks like apologies, whether that looks like agreements to disagree, whether that looks like the innocent taking the punishment. Father, today, help us to seek justice, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with you. And as we talked last week, as, as you are saying, where are my people that signed this covenant? May we say, we're right here, Lord, ready to do justice in the world that so desperately needs it. Lord, may we be encouraged by these words of Amos. May we be challenged by your prophecy through the prophet Amos today to say, we've been comfortable, we've been complacent, but you're just waiting for us to be the spark of justice in our community. May it begin with us, renew our hearts, challenge us, call us, give us the strength to answer. Help us to be humble about it, to lay our pride aside, and to say that, that you are worth surrendering to, you are worth following, and we repent of the ways in which we have not stood up to our part of this holy covenant with you. Lord, I pray for the family that's here this morning that just needs your justice amongst them. They're tired of the bickering. They're tired of the fighting. Lord, may they find your justice today so that righteousness can be restored. Lord, I pray for the, the one that feels so far from you today that your righteousness will be restored in their lives. Lord, I pray for the one today that is just so hurt that they don't know that they can love anyone else May it start with you and your holy sense of justice in their lives.
to come around them and say, you are worthy of love. And together we can love every one that God is calling us to love. Thank you for your spirit that's been here with us today, that has met with us, that is transforming us even now. We pray that it would transform us into the likeness of your son, Jesus of Nazareth, our Lord. We ask all this in the precious and holy name of Jesus, our Lord. Amen. Amen. I do remind you, 6 o'clock tonight, that we'll be at the, at the new thrift store location, the old Moon Pie Sporting Goods store. Would you stand with me and receive a benediction, a blessing today of encouragement to say, go from this place as a people of justice in a holy sense that can begin to renew righteousness in a world that so desperately needs right relationship with us and with the Father. Go in His grace and peace. Amen.